I just want to give us a, a New Year's in, in, encouragement. And I want to talk on the subject of learning contentment. Learning contentment. How many of you struggle with contentment like I do? Yes? How many don't want to admit that you struggle with contentment like I do? You know, it's important that we walk in contentment. As we're facing a new year, 2022, um, there's going to be many opportunities for us to be discontent. And discontentment is, is a sin because what it does is, is it communicates that we are not thankful for what God has given us in our life. And so it's something that we need to begin to start this year off with. There's many reasons why we could not be content. Can you think of a few? Over the last couple of years, the reasons why we could not be content with what's going on in our life and in the world. But contentment is the call of God on our life. And one of the verses that is so important, I think, in teaching us about contentment is Philippians chapter 4. And Philippians 4.13, many of you know that verse by heart. For I can do all things through him who gives me strength. It's the coffee cup verse. It's the verse that's on the coffee cup. It's on the t-shirt. It's what you post on Instagram and Facebook. It's the verse that many people know, but it's the verse that many people take out of context. For I can do all things. There's even a basketball player named Stephen Curry, who he has written on the side of his shoes, I can do all things. And that is not what this verse means. It's not the context of this verse. It's talking about contentment. Contentment. So the coffee cup verse, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me, is about the subject of contentment. And that's what we're going to learn. We're going to look at these verses, Philippians 10, uh, 4, 10 through 13. I believe the NIV gives us a great translation of this. And so would you read along with me in Philippians 4? This is Apostle Paul. He said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all what? him. I can be content in every situation. I can do all these things. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. And it's interesting, the context of the apostle Paul writing this. He is writing this while he is under house arrest in chains for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of you, I know I would have a hard time writing those words under house arrest for the sake of Jesus Christ. That I am content. I have learned the secret of being content. I am rejoicing. The the book of Philippians is known for one main word. The word rejoice. It's the joy book. It's the book of joy. But it's a book written by a man who is living under house arrest for his faith in Christ. And he has learned the secret of being content. Wow. So what are, what are the secrets? You know, biblical contentment is what I would define biblical contentment as. It's a satisfaction with what the Lord has provided in our life. It's a satisfaction. Biblical contentment is the satisfaction. God, I am satisfied with what you have given me. I'm content. Sinful discontentment would be this. It's an ungratefulness for what God has provided that leads to a craving for what we don't have. 
Sinful discontentment is a ungratefulness for what God has provided that leads to a craving for what we don't have. So what are the secrets? I believe we see the secrets of contentment here. The first one would be this. We have to quit the comparison game. We got to quit the comparison game. Comparison leads to discontentment. Look, look back closely at, at the verses that I, I just read. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret to being content in any and every situation. Listen to the comparison. Whether I'm well fed or I'm hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want. You see the comparison? He's saying, I've learned to be content even when I'm, even when I'm hungry and I'm comparing my hunger to times of being well fed. I've learned in the times of being hungry that I'm content even though I am not well fed. Even though I'm comparing where I am to where I used to be, I have learned to be content. And the way we will be content is to quit the comparison game. Quit looking to the times where we have the things that we want to have and, 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 and we look back and, and we say, well, it could be a little bit better. I, I remember a while back when I had a little bit more. It was a little better. It was less difficult, less trials. The comparison game robs us of contentment. Some people would maybe call it this. It's the keeping up with the Joneses. My question I always ask is, is who are the Joneses and why does it matter what they think anyway? Right? You know, like my neighbor who doesn't have four kids and who doesn't have all kind of other things you got to pay for with four kids, he's going to drive the BMW. I'm going to drive the Honda Odyssey. And I, I can't sit there and wish I had the BMW because my budget will not afford the BMW right now because my money flies away. It just flies away. It's got wings from direct deposit to my kids, to our budget, right? I can't keep up with the Joneses. What about this mindset? The grass is greener mindset. It's comparison. What does 2 Corinthians 10 say? We do not dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, this is not wise. So what's not wise? What's not wise is comparison. What's not wise is for me to look at your life and to say, I wish I had your car. I wish I had your looks. I wish I had your athleticism. I wish I had your money. I wish I had your job. I wish I had your position. Uh, you just go down the list. I wish, I wish I had. And we're, comparison, we're, we're comparing amongst each other. The Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians says, this is not wise. Why? Because it breeds discontentment. It breeds ungratefulness in our heart. And if we are going to be content, we are going to have to quit the comparison game in 2022. We're going to have to stop looking at Instagram. How many of you are on Instagram? You don't have to admit it. You don't have to admit it. <laughs> how, how many of you have some social media platform that you're on, right? Look, people's frozen in time images of the picture perfect world should never be something that we look at and think, oh man, I wish I had that. Look at the vacation spot. Look at where they're at. Look at the mountains. Look at the streams of water. Look at the condo. Look at this. Look at that. And we are comparing ourselves with somebody's best day on planet Earth that they put on Instagram. You know, the truth is, is that on the other side of those pictures are snotty kids 
dirty diapers, a road trip that's crazy. You know, we took a road trip to Disney World last, was it this year? Last year? I don't know what year it was. We went to Disney World. I, I don't recommend it. And uh, we, we, we drove for 12 hours to Disney World in our Honda Odyssey. That's not a joke. I have a Honda Odyssey. And, uh, and we took some pictures. And if we would have posted those pictures on Instagram, they would have been the best moments of that Disney World trip, us smiling, taking a selfie at the, with the, uh, with the uh, castle in the background and all of that. But what you didn't see was on the road trip up there. My three-year-old decided that he wanted to bite the toe of our, my seven-year-old. And for 20 minutes, he is yelling on the top of his lungs, I want Reagan's toe. I want Reagan's toe. That is not exaggeration. I have video to prove it. And, but that's the reality of what, we, of what we are up against when we look at those picture-perfect pictures, we don't realize that on the other side of that is the same things that we all walk through. We all go through those same challenges. We all are living in difficult times. So we should never compare ourselves amongst ourselves. Comparing your successes with other people's successes is not wise. Comparing your possessions with other people's possessions is not wise. Your giftings with other people's giftings, your family life with the ideal family life is not wise. Discontentment breeds covetousness. And we can begin to covet what we don't have. And we want what we have, what God has not given to us. So we must quit the comparison game. You know, it really, oftentimes it will, it, it will become like this. We'll even say things like this. If I only had a wife or a husband like that. Right? Or if I only had children like that. Only had a job like that, a house, right? We start, we start looking at even our the relationships God's given us, and we'll even say, "Man, I wish my husband was 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 like was like that guy. He's got all. He dresses nice. He looks all together, and he's so sweet and compassionate to his wife. He's so patient and loving, right? And it breeds discontentment in our heart, and the enemy comes in right there and begins the seed of covetousness and the seeds of adultery." Right? So discontentment it, it, it comes from comparison. Well, here's, a, here's another form of comparison before we move on to the second secret. Here's another form of comparison, and this is what I would call the good old days mindset. It's the good old days. Some people are never satisfied with where they are because they're constantly looking back and comparing today with, oh, you remember those days? Oh, these young kids, they don't know anything. Right? Oh, when, when, it, when, we, when we lived back in 19, whatever, we really understood and we really had it and we really got it. And when we, when we had that job and we had that relationship and we had whatever, you go to the back and it's the good old days and, and we can't, and we're not content and satisfied with where God has us right now because we're stuck in the, in the past comparing to the good old days. The good old days are right now. The good old days are now. They're where God has called you now. Quit the comparison game. We must learn to trust God's plan for our life now and not think back to the past. Who, who, thought, who in the Bible thought back to the past and it cost them? For 40 years, the children of Israel, they grumbled and complained in the wilderness for 40 years. They were stuck because they looked back and they, and they said, oh, that garlic. 
those onions. We miss them so much, right? The meat that we would eat, the food that we would consume, we, we miss it. We have manna every day. The good old days back then. Quit the comparison game. What does the word of God tell us that helps us with this? Psalm 139, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was I hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there were none of them. Wow, let that sink in. Listen to the word of God. Before you were even in your mother's womb, the days of your life were written in his book before they even took shape. So whenever we compare our past to our present and we want our past more than our present, it's showing discontentment for what God has given us right now. And we must learn to be thankful. The pursuit of success that has its foundation in discontentment will only lead in a circular path back to the same place. We must learn that whatever state we are in, to be content, to be satisfied with what God has blessed us with, where he has called us and the people he has given us to share life with. So quit the comparison game. The second secret would, would be this. Don't buy into an American view of possessions. So don't compare amongst yourselves. It's not wise. But secondly, don't buy into an American view of possessions. And what do I mean by an American view of possessions? This is what an American view of of possessions, or you could say Western view of possessions. The view is this, that I have a right to have certain things. I have a right. I, I, I deserve these things. It's the Burger King mindset, right? I want it my way right away. I deserve these things. We've come to believe in this country that there should be an expectation that we possess the things we desire. If I desire it, I should be able to have it. It's the American dream. It's the white picket fence. It's the house and the two and a half kids. It's, it's, it's all of those things. It's the job with the great retirement plan. I, if I desire it, I should be able to have it. None of you laughed at the half kid part. Was it because I kept talking? So here are the things that we think we should have. I have to have a smartphone. And I've got to have two or three televisions in my house. I've got to have the internet. It's kind of bordering. I'm not sure we might have to have the internet. Uh, right? Two vehicles. I've got to have two bathrooms. Who grew up with one bathroom like me? Who grew up with a bathroom outside the house? <laughs> Those are some of our elders in the church not you, Brother Daniel. <laughs> Maybe you did. I don't know. Right? I grew up with one bathroom. Now I have three. Thank the Lord. <laughs> but three full bathrooms. But we, we have this, this, this idea that, that this American view of possessions, and it, it robs us of contentment with what God has given us. And, and if I had one bathroom, thank the Lord I have a bathroom. And I don't have to go into an outhouse outside of my house. If, 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 if I have... No television. Thank the Lord I have my family to talk to. Right? We don't talk to our family like we used to because we're, we're doing this. Right? And, 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 and we're doing this. What about dishwashers? How many of you were the dishwasher when you grew up? 
I had, my mom had a dishwasher, and his name was Ben Bufkin. <laughs> my, my, my kids, uh, you know, we're trying to train them to do more, more and more work. And uh, washing dishes is one of the things that my mom was here. She could testify I was the best in the family. So I'm trying to train my kids to follow after me. But we are often anxious over not having the things that are actually not necessary in our lives. We don't need the KitchenAid dishwasher. You don't need it. We don't. It's $1,200. You don't need it. Right? I I need, I need, I need. But it's actually not necessary. We don't actually need it to live. And it's that American view that builds discontentment. Look what God's word says in 1 Timothy 6. But godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich, they fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, when you can say possessions and money, is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. You know, there's a lie that we believe when we start craving and desiring things and possessions and we're looking at the things we don't have and we're comparing with others and the things they have. You know what the lie is that we subtly believe? Here's a lie. That the stuff that I own is a reflection of who I am. Right? When I have the nice car, the nice house, and when I have all the things that, that the America says that, that we should have, when I have them, then that's when my identity is secure and I know who I am. But as believers, we have to reject that. Our identity should not be wrapped up in, in what we do or, or how much we can accumulate. First Peter 3 tells us this. Do not let your adorning be external the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning, let, let what is known of you not be the things you possess, but let them be who you are. The adorning of the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. That's what our goal should be. And we should be able to say this, is that my identity is not in what I do and what I accomplish, or what I own, my identity is in Christ alone. That's it. And when we have that mindset, we can quit the comparison game. We can quit buying what America is selling us about possessions and stuff. How many of you are still are freaked out all the time when you go on your cell phone and you see the ads are about the things that you talk about in your conversations? Seriously. And just the other day, we were talking, and I opened my phone, and it was... Within 30 seconds, they're watching us. They want us to not quit the comparison game. They want us to not quit buying the American dream. And they want us to love money and possessions more than we love Christ. And in 2022, we have to lay that down. Start our year out and say, Lord, I I am starting this year with a heart of contentment. And I'm pursuing you. And you alone. So first secret is to quit the comparison game. Second is to not buy the American view of possessions. And thirdly, as we close, what's the third secret to contentment? 
to me, this is, this is the culmination of all of it. It's, it's to see Christ as the greatest satisfaction. That's what the text says. That's the coffee cup verse. The coffee cup verse is this third secret. To see Christ as the greatest satisfaction. What's the coffee cup verse? I can do all this through him. Who's the him? Christ. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. He becomes my greatest satisfaction so that I can walk in contentment. I can be satisfied with where he has called me with the things that I possess. The secret that Paul learned and that we need to learn to be reminded of is that the strength to be content with God's provision in our life starts and ends with Christ. Starts and ends with Christ. We must see Christ as the greatest satisfaction in this life. We must see him as the greatest joy in this life. You know, I was telling my son yesterday, we were watching Joel here. We were watching the Masters Golf Tournament. And many of you know, if, you know I've been preaching here for almost four years now. You know I love golf. And you also know I love the Masters Golf Tournament. For those who know the Masters Golf Tournament, you know what I'm talking about. And I looked at Joel and I told him while we were watching, we just will randomly watch old rounds of the golf tournament on YouTube of the Masters Tournament. And I said, Joel, we're going to go there one day. I'm going to take you, son. <laughs> and I just think about that moment. I told him, we're going to walk the whole course and it's going to be so joyful and all of that. And it's going to be so amazing. And it will be because I will get there. I'm going to bring my boy. But Christ is greater than the greatest possession and accomplishment and event and thing that I could ever accomplish and do. And if I take any idea of what would be considered something that would bring me great joy and I put that above Christ, it's become an idol and I'm discontent. And I've allowed comparison and discontentment to ruin my heart. Towards Christ. You know, Jesus wanted to teach his disciples this when he talked about the kingdom of God. Look at Matthew 13. He gives two ideas here. He says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found and covered up, which a man found and covered up, then in his joy he goes and sells all, all, the, all, sells all that he has and buys that field. Do, do, do you see the picture there? He found, he found a treasure. It was in a field, and he says, I am going to sell all I have, not to buy the treasure, but to buy the field so that nobody can come in behind me while I'm trying to go to the, to the bank to get the money to buy the field. I'm, buy, I'm buying the whole field. I'm buying all of it so I can have the treasure. I'm selling all. Christ is the greatest satisfaction. This is the kingdom of heaven. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is the gospel. This is the heart of contentment in life, is seeing Christ as the greatest satisfaction. And this is hard. This is hard to do, is it not? Do you feel the difficulty in our life to see Christ as the greatest satisfaction? We have so many other things in our life that vie for our affections and our love and our joy. Every day, they vie for our attention. To, to put Christ second, to put other things above. But let 2022 be a year where there's nothing that supersedes Christ in our heart and in our affections. May we go buy the field. May we sell all to buy the pearl. You ever heard a song? I'm going to 
I'm not going to sing because that's not what I do. But I'm going to say the words. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Who sings that? You two. Bono. You know that's not a Christian song. There's Christians who want to make that a Christian song. That is not a Christian song. I still haven't found, right? It's not, no, no. As Christians, we found it. We've got the pearl. We've got, we've got the most precious possession that anyone can ever have. We have found what we're looking for. The discontented heart says, I still, I still ain't found it. I'm still looking. I'm looking for that it factor. I'm looking for that it moment. I'm looking for that ultimate fulfillment moment. I'm looking, and that is our society today, looking for that it moment. The situation in life that brings me the most satisfaction, the most likes, the most influence, right? The most emotional satisfaction. As Christians, we can say, I I, I have found what I'm looking for. Because Jesus is the end of all searching. He's the treasure at the end of the map. When you find him, the search is over. When you find Christ, the search of what you were looking for is over. Maybe you're here today and you're still searching. You are still searching. And you can say, as Bono says, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I want to declare to you today that Christ is who you are looking for. And you think that you are looking for something when you don't realize what you're looking for is him. You're looking for something, but God is saying, I'm the one. That's going to fulfill you and bring you satisfaction and healing and forgiveness and purpose in life. So if you are still searching today, I can tell you your search can be over today. You, all you have to do is to acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you have rebelled against the holy God and that you cannot save yourself by your own good works. And you do what Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is God and that God raised him from the dead, you, can, you make that confession today and you will be saved. You will be forgiven. You'll be cleansed. You will be given a new purpose in this life. And you can sing that you have found what you're looking for. You found the great pearl. You have bought the field. You have sold all. And Christ will have his rightful place as the king of your heart. And then you, our affections will then begin to see a shift in what we prioritize in our life. Do you believe that? So here's my admonition as we close. Let's start 2022 off with a heart of contentment. Satisfied with Christ and who he is and satisfied with where he has us. Let's stop the comparison game in every area of our life and let's see Christ as the greatest satisfaction. And may 2022 be a year of remembering that Christ is better. He's better. Pat Barrett, I want to end with this. He wrote a song called Better. Listen to these lyrics. All the money that the world could hold. Mountains made of solid gold. Riches that could buy my dreams. You are better than all these things. The prettiest face to turn their eyes. Beauty that could hypnotize. The open doors that looks may bring, you are better than all these things. You are better than all these things. Your love is better than life. You are the well that won't run dry. I have tasted and I have seen, you are better than all these things. Power that could shake the moon, 
most important one in every room. Status matched by only kings. You are better than all these things. Listen to this line. Being liked and loved by everyone. Approval that outshines the sun. Being cheered by all who think of me. You're better than all these things. I have tasted and I have seen. You are better than all these things. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. That you are better. You are better than anything that we can possess. Anything that we can own. Anything that we can earn with our money. God, you are better than the approval approval of man, the praise of man, the cheering of man. You are better than all those things. And Lord, I pray that we would be content with you, satisfied with Christ. I pray that this year would not be marked by what we wish it wasn't, but that it would be a year that was marked by who you are and what you've done. May we have a year filled with contented hearts, satisfied with Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Happy New Year. I love you.